$40 billion hole in an X trillion dollar economy. But having said that, it is an SOE. It is a government organization that was sponsored to take on uh, bad debts back in 1999, as you mentioned. Uh, so my, my thought here is that um, you know, th th this company has been very badly run. Uh, like many of these companies, it strayed from its original purpose. It was original purpose was to take on bad debts and dispose of those debts and work them out. What they've ended up doing is going into stockbroking, investment management, trust businesses, insurance, fund management, etc., etc. So I, I, I think they're going to get reined in on that mm -hmm. and taken back to their core business. And I, I suspect they will bring in uh, somebody from one of the other banks to to work this out. Quite mm -hmm. frankly, I think if you if you're an investor with a strong stomach, I think you might consider buying Huarong bonds here. <laughs> okay, it's the usual story of how a, a company goes wrong. Thank you very much. That yep. was Peter Churchhouse, founder of Portwood Capital, Stuart Allcroft, chairman of City Trust, and our international economics correspondent over in Washington, D.C., Barry Woods. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final update on the markets for this morning in Australia. The SX200 is up a quarter of a percent. Nikkei 225 in Japan down about half a percent. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is up a quarter of a percent. And it also looks like that the Hang Seng is going to open about half a percent firmer as well later on this morning. Thanks very much for listening. Do stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Steve Vines in just a moment. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, one or two light rain patches later. Sunny intervals at first. Maximum temperature is going to be about 26 degrees and then cloudy with a few rain patches in the next couple of days. It's 25 degrees right now, 84% relative humidity. It's 8.32 with the half-hour news. Here's Samantha Butler. No new coronavirus cases have been found after authorities tested around 780 residents in Shenzhen. Authorities sealed off Tower 2 of Lido Garden for testing overnight after confirming three local cases from the building. They include a 55-year-old housewife and two family members who often stayed with her. A housewife and one family member went on separate grave-sweeping trips in Tunmun and Zhongguano during the Qingming Festival. The United States, South Africa and the European Union have said they'll temporarily suspend the rollout of the Johnson & Johnson COVID jab after reports of rare blood clotting. The American health authorities, the FDA, said six cases were detected among more than six million Americans who had received the single dose vaccine. All six were women aged under 50. One has died and another is in a critical condition. But the chief medical advisor, Dr Anthony Fauci, said overall the US vaccination programme was safe. There have been now 120 million people that have received at least one dose of a vaccine. Tens and tens and tens of millions of people have received vaccine with no adverse effect. This is a really rare event. If you look at what we know so far, there have been six out of the 6.85 million doses, which is less than one in a million. A former UN climate chief, Ivo de Boa, has suggested it may be necessary to delay an important global warming conference that's due to take place in Britain later this year. Here's the BBC's Matt McGrath. COP26 is seen as the most critical meeting on climate change since the Paris Agreement was signed in 2015. The UK, which is presiding over the gathering, hopes that around 200 world leaders and thousands of delegates will travel to Glasgow to negotiate in person later this year. 
but concerns over new waves of the coronavirus and the slow rollout of vaccines in many countries mean that doubts are growing over a large-scale staging of the event. Many believe that a slimmed-down so-called hybrid conference, with much of the discussions taking place online, is the best way forward. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Steve Vine. Steve, good morning to you. And good morning to you. Today we're talking about electoral arrangements and vaccine bubbles. The government is formally proposing to make it a crime for people to urge others to cast blank or spoiled ballots or not vote at all as it unveiled a host of bills to amend local laws in line with the sweeping electoral forms initiated by Beijing last month. It laid out detailed arrangements for how the expanded 1,500-member election committee will be selected in an election to be held on September the 19th. The powerful body will nominate all legislators and select 40 of them through block voting. Authorities also unveiled the 10 new geographical constituencies that returned 20 of the 90 new legislators, those to be chosen in December. What do you make of the new arrangements? Let us know your thoughts you can leave a message on our facebook page backchat and rthk radio 3 you can email backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our number is 233 after 9 15 we're talking about the new social distancing arrangements for restaurants with a restaurant owner jr will be uh, joining us uh, for that that's after 9 15 drop us a line backchat at rthk.hk um, with your thoughts we're joined now by john burns emeritus professor honorary professor in the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong, and Andrew Lung, International and Independent China Strategist and former Director General of Social Welfare. Once again, I email bankchat at rthk.hk. Uh, let's kick off with um, fan mail. This is uh, from Derek, uh, who says, Dear Bankchat, another big fan of Steve Vines here. Although I'm disappointed that his weekly morning brew show was cancelled, it's nice to know that he's been promoted to Bankchat, so that his speaking truth to power has not been completely silenced. I would like to know if he can use the acronym CENO on the air. That's C-E-N-O. That is from Derek. Derek, thank you very much. What is... Explain what that is. Thank you, Derek. CENO is um, chief executive in name only. Um, It was um, dreamt up by some malicious person on the basis that it does appear that the chief executive is perhaps not fully in control of the government. Okay. Well, yeah, he he can still use that uh, acronym uh, on air. Uh, This is from Matthew, uh, who says, The daily headlines and discussion analysing the various details of the so-called improved electoral system miss the point and demonstrate that the media has either not yet understood or is not willing to talk about what actually happened. It was clear as soon as details of the proposed changes began to emerge that the CCP had decided to change the election system to a selection system, which they fully control and is only open to those who agree to embrace their eternal one-party dictatorship. The system the CCP has imposed on Hong Kong is effectively the same as on the mainland. It, and things like banning people from encouraging others not to vote, demonstrate that they have absolutely no confidence in their ability to win support without force. They actually think Hong Kong people are so stupid that we will need others to remind us not to vote in rigged elections which have no candidates representing us. No matter what they do, the voter turnout rate will drop from the 60% range to well below 30%, demonstrating how weak their mandate is. That is from Matthew, backchat at rthk.hk is our email address. Uh, Andrew Lung, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks so much indeed for, for joining us. What do you make of the NU electoral arrangements? Well, I 
think that um, um, there is a, a degree of uh, self-denial of the reality that this is in fact a surgery um, uh, with the realization in Beijing that Hong Kong is becoming ungovernable. Um, what with this um, uh, kind of black anarchy uh, which Hong Kong has experienced, um, holding Hong Kong's law and order to ransom, and then grinding everything to a halt, um, and, and also hammering the government's ability to address the so-called deep-seated kind of contradictions uh, like housing and, and various other stuff. So um, in the eyes of Beijing, this uh, surgery, uh, even painful, is necessary um, to make sure that Hong Kong can continue to be governed and continue to be able to address uh, some of these um, um, deep-seated problems. Um, and then that uh, would be the surgeries would be necessary in the light of the current uh, situation. Um, also, there's another point, um, which is that uh, Hong Kong, um, the realization Beijing, the Hong Kong people seem to have turned up their nose uh, at um, something which was on offer, which was the one man, one vote uh, package in 2015, even though universal suffrage was not included in the joint declaration with Britain, but it was on Beijing's initiative that this, provise, this provision was included in Hong Kong's basic law, Hong Kong's constitution. But there is an important proviso, and the proviso is that the candidates must be pre-screened um, because there is lack of trust uh, in Beijing um, that um, uh, with, 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 with some sort of a radicals and, 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 and um, legislators. Um, so the, the proviso was included in the basic law, but um, the package was turned down. And then what the um, protests were, protesters were demanding is no less than um, dismantling uh, of these safeguards in the basic law, in the Constitution. So... Um, Mr. Lang, I just wonder if I, I just wonder if I could just interrupt you there, because you've made an extraordinary sweeping statement at the beginning of this, in which you said that Hong Kong was ungovernable. Does that mean that the electricity was turned off, that housing had uh, ceased to function, that people could no longer go to work? I mean, ungovernable. And I'm somebody who's lived in the Middle East, where there are states that are ungovernable. I can tell you, they've never looked like anything like in Hong Kong, but yet you're telling the world that Hong Kong has reached a situation which is on a parallel with collapsed states. Are you really making that assertion? Well, in the sense that you look at uh, what has happened in Hong Kong over the past 23 years, uh, before this um, happening of this uh, black kind of violent protests. Um, Were all the protests black violent protests? Well, I mean, there's also a deep set of problems. It's not, it didn't happen uh, at the drop of a hat. Uh, firstly, uh, the whole generation of the young uh, people have lost their sense of nationhood. Um, they do not regard themselves as uh, Chinese um, nationals anymore. Do you want uh, them to be replaced? Earth. Would you like the young, younger generation in Hong Kong to be replaced with somebody else? Well, what I'm trying to say is that uh, Hong Kong, of course, um, is governed under one country, two systems. And one country uh, means the Hong Kong is part of China. But unfortunately, the whole generation has lost the sense of nationhood. But on the other hand, the, the um, uh, pandemocrats uh, are verging um, more and more towards uh, kind of coercive uh, tactics 
so uh, even at the risk of dismantling, as I said, the safeguards uh, enshrined the basic law. So that, that the, uh, Beijing has completely lost confidence in uh, how Hong Kong should continue to be uh, governed uh, with this kind kind of uh, provisions in the basic law. Um, and there are lots of loopholes which have appear to be exploited uh, by radicals and also seeking uh, kind of um, uh, uh, intervention. Mm. Uh, by I, I mean, I notice I, you, you call it surgery rather than rather than medicine. Um, you know, surgery has, has risk. Is, this, is it going to work? Is this going to work? Well, this is not my word, actually. Yeah. Um, in no, fact, okay. um, the Beijing, yeah. uh, some of the high officials okay. use that word. Also, they use the word microsurgery. Sure, okay. Uh, yeah. Sure. So, is it going to work? Well, I think that uh, if you look at what's happening, um, firstly, there was a lot of uh, uh, reduction uh, of the uh, so-called popularly elected seats. And then most of the legislature would be in control uh, of the pro-establishment camp. Now, uh, unfortunately, this is, of course, um, a... a, um, uh, derogation from what was happening in the beginning. But as, as I said, the Hong Kong people have turned up their nose um, at what was on offer and tried to dismantle the basic law, uh, at least the safeguards of the basic law um, in the eyes of Beijing uh, in terms of protection of the national so, Sorry, Mr. Lang, is, is, is it going to work? Well, I think I, I have confidence it's going to work mm-hmm. because at the, in, in the beginning, there's going to be a kind of backlash that's understandable. As with any uh, surgery, there's a bound, of, uh, a bound to be a reaction. But I think that the idea is that Hong Kong will be governed um, under the law, uh, and the law as amended now, uh, so as to make sure that the legislature uh, is there to perform the, the duties that they're supposed to do, which is to improve the livelihood of the people. Now, here in our Mr. Lang, can I just interrupt you? Mr. Lang, can I just interrupt you? Well, you've just made an inaccurate statement. The duties of the legislature are to scrutinize and to subject to careful examination legislation. Uh, you can't just make up a new duty for the legislature. That well, is what let, they're let supposed me, to let do. Let me come back to your point about opposition. You know, what's the meaning of opposition and a check and balance? I'll address that point. But let me bring to, uh, 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 forth a very important point for the sake of discussion, which is that we are now in a situation of almost back to the future. But what I mean was, uh, is, is that we're back to the future in the colonial times. Now, I spent my, uh, most of my career uh, in the colonial administration uh, as an um, administrative officer, one of the elite um, kind of uh, governing um, elite in the legislation, in, in this administration. And Hong Kong was well, well governed, but there was no opposition. Um, in fact, my first job uh, was um, an administrative officer in the then UMELCO office, um, the unofficial uh, member of the Executive Legislative Council. Now, one of my jobs was, uh, was draft uh, questions to be asked by the appointed legislators. <laughs> and funny enough, and funny enough uh, it was also my job to draft the answers in consultation <laughs> with the various departments. You think we should so go back to that, do you? In the past. You think we should go back to that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But, but, but on the other hand, well, that shows that the Hong Kong was relatively well governed uh, in that sort of situation. Now, coming back to the uh, question of opposition, 
Um, and, and of course, there is a great deal of emphasis on uh, patriots. And how do you define patriots? That's the first thing. Um, of course, there is a kind of negative list. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't uh, uh, be colluding with foreign forces to, to, to uh, try to unsettle the, 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 the Communist Party and so on and so forth. Um, but I think that with this kind of uh, screening and, and also um, uh, set up, uh, scrutinizing candidates, um, there is every uh, reason to believe that those in the legislature uh, would not be the kind of um, uh, subversives. Now, uh, as for opposition, uh, naturally, I mean, even um, in the current legislative council session, you can see a lot of pan um, pro-establishment candidates. Uh, they're trying to make their, their voice heard. Uh, they're trying to be different, uh, criticizing government, uh, left, right, and center. Um, and that's what happened also during the colonial administration. Um, but it doesn't mean that the legislators uh, need to be just uh, become a rubber stamp. Uh, I don't think that Beijing um, would like that to happen. In fact, uh, uh, Beijing has said recently as a couple of times uh, they don't want yes men. You know, they, they really want um, constructive uh, criticism. Constructive means that you know, you, you're not there to try to uh, subvert um, uh, the Communist Party in China. But that's China, that's mainland China. Mm. Because these legislators are in Hong Kong, that you should really uh, try to hold the Hong Kong government to account. Okay, well, Professor Burns, good morning to you. Thanks. Good morning. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Your impression, first of all, of the, of the electoral arrangements, now that we're getting to a bit more of the nitty-gritty, we're seeing some more of the details. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It is about uh, what sort of candidate authorities will permit to win, uh, to run in the elections. And, you know, if you look at these arrangements, you see very complex vetting arrangements. But it, for me, the key gatekeeper is the Committee on Safeguarding National Security. The party secretary is an advisor to this committee. I'm sure he will make recommendations. And so this... Uh, this is where the party itself will vet candidates in the liaison office in, and in Beijing. And, of course, this has been going on. So you've been talking about the opposition. And I agree that the opposition, uh, if, there, if any opposition is allowed, and we don't know this yet, we have to see. You asked, will it work? It's too early to say. But the, any opposition, potential opposition, has got to reinvent itself. It's got to be patriotic, yes, that's true, but it's got to be authentic, and authentic in the eyes of the people. And what does this mean? This means that they cannot simply be representing the authorities, representing the government. They have to have different policy uh, perspectives from the government, and they have to take, they may take, you know, Articles 45 and 68 of the Basic Law seriously when they talk about universal suffrage. That's still there, although there's some confusion about whether that, you know, whether these arrangements are, are, uh, are permanent or not. We heard some people say yes, some people say no. The government, in my view, is trying to frame all of this as an improvement. And the language it uses, improvement, uh, all this kind of thing, is uh, very strange for a, a change that 
radically reduces the opportunity for ordinary people to participate, yet that is what is going on. So my question to the authorities is why do you want elections at all? If your goal is executive-led government and the legislature and the government in, in step, why bother? Why do you want them? I've not heard any government official, I have not heard the party, I have not heard anybody say a word about this. As uh, uh, Andrew pointed out, our tradition of elections is very short. They only really started in 1991. We're not going back to the future, I would argue, simply because the people of Hong Kong have experience of elections. A generation of people have experience of elections. So authenticity is the key. We don't know who the party and the election committee will choose as uh, candidates to run in these elections. So I, I would be looking to see not just who they are, but how the people perceive who they are. And I wonder, Professor Burns, if I could ask you to address an interesting point made by Mr. Leung earlier, who was basically saying that we're in the situation where we are, which he concedes is moving back on representative government, because of the intransigence of the Hong Kong people, because they didn't accept the reforms, I think he said in 2015, although I believe it was 2014, uh, for the election of the chief executive. Is, is that the case, that really, you know, none of this would have happened if Hong Kong people had, had accepted all of these things? I think we have to start from the fact that Hong Kong is a local government in China. China is an authoritarian country run by the Chinese Communist Party. Full stop. That's the fact. So, all right, what kind of electoral arrangements is the party uh, able to approve? And we, they did offer this in 2015. I advocated for accepting it then. I thought it was a huge mistake when we didn't. Had that arrangement been implemented then, and the party did not get the kinds of government and candidate and executive-led arrangements, they would be doing this now. The fact, I think it's all about the timing. And I do blame the chief executive and the Hong Kong government for um, grossly mismanaging uh, the extradition bill, and this was the cause of these protests. So, you know, some of it were, uh, turned into riots, some, and then their demands escalated. Yes, 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 this is all true. In the eyes of the Communist Party, I agree with Andrew that the... Um, you know, that they perceived that Hong Kong was ungovernable. And I take your point, you know, it's not a failed state in the sense of that we traditionally use it. But the party has a different idea about, you know, fail than all this. And so in party propaganda, you, you see the painting of the protests. I was demonstrating myself always in the legal protest. Um, uh, following the law, following police advice, and all this kind of thing. So, so when, it, when it veered off from that, then I think and we could see that the Hong Kong government was completely incapable of managing this.
All right, some uh, emails. Alan of Lama says, Backchat, we get it. We are only allowed to vote for CCP candidates. Your guest blathering about black anarchy, etc., as if that justifies the loss of all hope for two systems to be enacted. We waited 20 years for Beijing to live up to its word of allowing Hong Kong to choose its own leaders. When it became clear that we would never be allowed to do so, protests began. Then they used the protests to retrospectively justify that previous 20 years of stonewalling. They have imposed a dictatorship on Hong Kong. They insist on the pretense that it is a democracy, but it's a charade. They convince no one. It's pure Orwellian Ministry of Truth. Uh, John says, so glad to hear Andrew Leung say it outright. Beijing has restored Hong Kong to the status of a colony, but the colonialist, imperialist, oppressive power is now the CCP in Beijing. Such candour. That's uh, from John. And uh, Matthew has a, a question for, uh, for Mr Leung. Uh, Matthew says, with this new law against encouraging others not to vote now in place, what does Andrew Leung predict will be the new voter turnout in the December Legico elections? And what does he think this will tell us about the engagement in and support for the Hong Kong people in this new improved electoral system given us by the CCP? W what about the voter turnout, uh, Mr Leung? Um, I think the first uh, just a small point I, I first like to to to, to emphasize is that um, if Hong Kong had pocketed uh, the 2015 uh, package, we would have one man one vote. But of course, um, that's not democracy. But that's Hong Kong's uh, democracy cannot be equated uh, with other countries, um, with um, because Hong Kong is not a country, uh, and the one country two system is is really unique, and there are uh, safeguards um, in the uh, in the basic law. But having said that, uh, as far as opposition and holding the Hong Kong government to account is concerned, I think there's still a very wide spectrum uh, of different uh, political positions. Uh, for example, there are uh, uh, politicians in favor of big businesses, in favor of business uh, as against um, the interests of the workers. Um, and then there are um, the, the kind of uh, camp um, uh, who do not want too much uh, welfare for, for the people. Um, and also there are uh, people who like to have more emphasis on the environment and so on and so forth. So now I think that I agree with the earlier suggestion uh, of my uh, colleague on this panel that really the pan-democrats to reinvent themselves um, rather than relying on uh, kind of one-size-fits-all and a kind of uh, uh, all-or-nothing uh, kind of formula, even in contravention uh, of the safeguards in the basic law, um, they should really reinvent themselves and try to carve out space for themselves um, to hold the government to account. Now, let's not forget that not too long ago, there was a so-called uh, Bohemia Party, um, which was founded by uh, some mainlanders who make good in Hong Kong. I mean, they, they're, they're really the top business guys uh, who've been to uh, Wall Street and various other things. Um, and of course, they know how to play the game. Um, and I think I'm not saying that uh, I'm not in support of that party because I have known very little about that party. But then that the uh, report is interesting in the sense that um, I think that there, some people are waking up to the new reality, um, uh, rightly or wrongly, that's what has happened. Are you seriously suggesting the Bohemia Party is part of a revived democratic camp? Well, um, they do not necessarily um, 
uh, agree uh, 100% uh, with the government, uh, but I don't think that they would, uh, if we define um, democracy as people who are subversive, uh, then I agree with you. I mean, in Hong Kong, there's no room for any subversion okay. uh, as Sorry, for any other uh, um, um, uh, cities in, in the world. But Sorry, on the other hand... Can I just take... Sorry, take, just to back to Matthew's particular question, which was about um, voter turnout and... All what, right, yeah, uh, can yeah. I address that? Yes, please. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the... Um, uh, uh, with the 1,500 uh, kind of uh, um, election committee, and there are uh, a lot of poor establishment camp uh, are trying to craft our space for themselves. Um, and le let's look at the past uh, electoral turnout uh, and then and electoral uh, uh, results, as it were, before this uh, violent protest. It's almost a 40% uh, in favor of the people who are really um, anti-establishment, as it were. I mean, I, I like to stress, I mean, it's, it's before these uh, violent protests, okay? Um, so I think that there is still a lot of people who think that the government should do more for the, um, um, the underdog, uh, the, the, um, uh, more on social welfare, as it were. So I think that the pro-establishment camp under the real rules uh, would like to position themselves in, in this space, as it were. So I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't uh, uh, say that, uh, that, of course, that because of this new surgery... Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, so, sorry. The so the voter turnout... Sorry. Will the voter turnout be... There's still considerable turnout. But I, okay. I, I, I accept that, that there's quite, possib quite possible that a turnout would be less than, uh, than, than, than before. Um, but still Even considerable. It's a, a kind of silent protest, as it were. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're going to break uh, in a moment for the, for the news at uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, please uh, comment on our Facebook page. That's Batchat on RTHK Radio 3. Or join the discussion. Pick up a phone at 233-8826 is the number. We're going to continue uh, with uh, uh, Andrew Lung. John Burns is uh, leaving us uh, now. Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor in the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. But uh, do chip in. Uh, and later we're also going to be hearing about uh, vaccine bubbles, the proposals on uh, vaccination policy for staff and customers uh, at uh, restaurants. I've uh, already got a couple of emails on that. Uh, do join us. The weather before the news now at nine. It's going to be mainly cloudy with a couple of light rain patches later. Sunny intervals around at first. The outlook cloudy with a few rain patches in the next couple of days. 25 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 81%. <laughs> The sabotage the current talks in Vienna to revive the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back this Wednesday morning with Steve Vines and me, Hugh Tewitt, and we're talking on uh, Backchat this morning about the uh, new electoral uh, arrangements. We had some uh, 700 pages of uh, amendments, uh, uh, changes to our electoral uh, system uh, gazetted uh, by the administration, uh, and we were talking about that in the first part of the programme with uh, John Burns, uh, Emeritus Professor at the uh, University of Hong Kong, former Professor of uh, Politics there, and uh, with uh, Andrew Leung, International and Independent China Strategist, former uh, government official as well, Director General of uh, Social Welfare. Uh, Mr Lung is still with us. Later we're also going to be talking about uh, uh, vaccine bubbles with a, with a restaurant owner. JR will be uh, joining us. Um, some controversy over the, uh, the arrangements, the social distancing arrangements uh, and their relationship to uh, vaccine policy. Uh, you can uh, chip in on that or anything else that's on your mind by emailing backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages uh, or you can just pick up the phone 
phone and we'll put you on air. 233-88266 is the number. Or you can comment also on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, I see uh, Marcus has already stuck up a cartoon there. That's from uh, Harry, uh, Harry Harrison on uh, Vaccine Bubbles. Uh, check it out yourself on uh, the, uh, rather than me mangle it in the telling. Uh, that's on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Um, uh, Andrew Lang, uh, here's this is a, a comment that which was addressed to Professor Burns, but um, he, he's left us, and maybe it brings up some issues you could engage. Uh, Matthew says, does Professor Burns really believe that there is space in the new improved electoral system for authentic opposition? There will be as much space for genuine opposition in the Hong Kong system as there is in the mainland. If he's trying to suggest we might have space for authentic opposition here, I think he's either living in a dreamland or being inauthentic himself. That is uh, from uh, Matthew. Um, the Professor Burns was talking about uh, about authenticity. Is, isn't there the danger, Andrew Lung, that, that uh, I mean, you've, you've talked about, you know, differing views. Um, I, I guess the, the trouble is all, all, all those, all that, uh, all, all those different, different views will have to be acceptable uh, to the people that they are supposed to be uh, criticising. Um, and inevitably, you know, if, if this person is going to be screening out their critics first, that person is only going to allow ineffective or, <laughs> you know, uh, criticism that, that doesn't amount to very much, and that will be perceived as inauthentic. That's the fear, isn't it? I think that um, uh, let's uh, uh, look at what's meant by acceptable. I think what Beijing opposes is really uh, the kind of subversiveness um, as exemplified in the kind of black protest for 23 years. And there was still a great deal of voice uh, or noise opposing Beijing, but I don't think that Beijing would be terribly worry about that for 23 years uh, until recently. Um, now, I think that this is the really the red line, that, you, that Hong Kong cannot be a base of subversion, as it were, and trying to um, push forward this platform of so-called 35-plus 35 35 plus uh, platform, trying to seize control of the legislature through um, uh, 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 kind of um, uh, boundless kind of opposition to any government proposal. Weren't they so trying to? Weren't they trying to seize executive. control of legislature the through line, the election? Yeah? Uh, well, let, let me let me let me answer this question about you know, what's mean, what's meant by an opposition in 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 this kind of new reality. As I was part, trying to point out. Uh, what Beijing wants Hong Kong to do is really to uh, strengthen uh, the government's ability to govern uh, because of all these um, kind of opposition turn, turn out to be um, obstructions for, for, for the simple reason for obstructing and, and, and exemplified by the fact that, for example, it took several months even to elect a convener uh, uh, of a, a, a relatively small um, committee. Um, this shows that, that let alone that some of the bigger you know, proposals uh, by the government to address housing, land, um, even welfare. Um, so the Hong Kong government is really grinding to a halt. So that, that's the, the idea, uh, is to strengthen uh, the government's uh, ability to govern, uh, but of course without uh, trashing. Uh, or touching on Beijing's very bottom line. And the bottom line is very well defined. I mean, it is defined in the basic law. Um, so uh, having said that, 
um, uh, now um, uh, having implanted this sur- uh, implemented this kind of surgery, there is no excuse for the Hong Kong government not to be able to address some of the deep city problems, which are in fact part of the reasons for, for these protests. For example, inequality, the perception of the young people that do not have uh, a path for upward movement, <coughs> and the economy is stacked in favor of big businesses, um, the big tycoons and the property and various other uh, sectors, uh, sort of tentacles in every, every sector. So there is a great deal of room uh, for the kind of um, opposition, as it were, opposition uh, against uh, the legislators in favor of this kind of uh, status quo, uh, which has caused some of the deep-seated problems in Hong Kong. So I think that that's how I would define opposition. Now, the second point I'd like to highlight is that um, if uh, this uh, Hong Kong uh, ability to govern uh, really has proven itself, by addressing some of these deep-seated problems successfully, uh, then I think that it would hasten um, uh, the process for universal suffrage because Beijing would, the heart would be put at ease um, that universal suffrage, one man, one vote, uh, going back to 2015, that there was an offer right at the beginning, as I said even uh, earlier on, um, one man, one vote wasn't included in a joint declaration with Britain, but it was included by Beijing, but with this proviso. So provide, provided the system works, I think that Hong Kong could be on a, a quick, quicker path towards one, when, one man, one vote. Now, that's not the same as the kind of electoral system in the West. As I said, Hong Kong is not a country. Uh, but that's the reality. Hong Kong is... You know, sort of governed by one country to a system. Could I ask you a... Sorry, sorry, sorry. we've got a a caller on the line now, I think. Uh, Dave. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Back Chat. Uh, Just a really, really quick question. Um, It it seems that the entire panel and uh, you two two interviewers have overlooked one of the key things that, that may have tipped Beijing to crack down and eliminate democracy here, and that's elected officials and uh, prominent members of the business community flying to the U.S. and lobbying for sanctions against Hong Kong and China. Um, and and I, I think that this um, indicates that people, people in Hong Kong that were pushing for democracy, me being one of them, kind of forgot the fact that we're a part of a bigger country that has a different agenda and has a different leadership style. And when we went off and did, and we went, we went and we, we lobbied against, you know, China's biggest rival, that was a huge mistake that, uh, that probably sent off a lot of alarm bells in Beijing. And could you comment on that? Mm. Well, Andrew Lang, do you want to comment? Yes, I think it's a very, very good point. Um, because, um, uh, let's face it, that's the, the reason why there was a, such of heated rivalry, um, open and hidden, uh, between China and the United States because both are based on different ideologies, and the different ideologies crash uh, because they, the idea of human rights uh, in China is different from the idea of human rights and also democracy in the West. So I think that we have a crash, uh, not necessarily of civilizations, but of ideology, and Hong Kong is part of this country, and Hong Kong cannot be seen um, to be a kind of uh, base for any subversive uh, kind of movement. It's not just ideas, it's really a movement. Um, And then the movement is gathering pace because, as I said, the whole uh, generation of young people have lost the sense of nationhood. So that's the problem, that that in the end, Hong Kong is becoming ungovernable as a special administrative region of China. So I think that Hong Kong's people have got to wake up to this reality. 
um, the Hong Kong is part of the same country. And then is the, 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 the Hong Kong cannot subvert uh, the one country. But Hong Kong uh, is allowed to have a different system. And there's no point for Beijing to replicate another Shanghai in Hong Kong, uh, even a smaller Shanghai. Actually useless for Beijing. So I think that Hong Kong could uh, carve out a path for itself, but it's got to be under Hong Kong's basic law. And Hong Kong's basic law, there's still a great deal of leeway, because after all, Hong Kong judiciary is, is, is still uh, um, um, independent. Um, it's still held in relative high regard, and, 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 and it's not the same as the judiciary in China, inside uh, China's mainland. Um, and of course, Hong Kong is a much more cosmopolitan society. Um, even after the enactment of the national security law, uh, are people in Hong Kong living in fear? I mean, this fear is just like, it's a kind of uh, imaginary uh, if they do not have um, uh, some sort of hidden agenda okay. uh, to unseat the, 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 the government Dave? in Beijing. Yeah, yeah I, I wanna, I, I've, been, I've been following uh, Steve Vines and a fan of his journalism since Spike magazine, <laughs> and I want to hear his opinion on this as well because he's been very outspoken against what's been happening. Uh, uh, with respect to our political system here, so 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 Steve Vines, what do you think about the fact that maybe we maybe we tore our draws when we hopped on a plane and went to Washington and asked Ted Cruz to put sanctions on the nation? Well, can I can I just say there is a factual inaccuracy there. A lot of the people who went to Washington specifically were against sanctions being placed on China. I I, I don't know how that got lost in the reporting of what's happened. But there were, there were different views among the Democrats, some of whom favoured it and some of whom didn't. The majority of the people who went to Washington, and indeed to other countries, said that sanctions would be damaging for Hong Kong. So before history gets rewritten, let's, let's remember what actually happened. Uh, but you, you, you're kind of smoothing over the fact that some of the people that went did go and seek sanctions. Some did. And that's what, and that's what caught the headlines. And that's what, if I, were, if I were putting myself in the shoes of someone in Beijing, that's what would make me very, very nervous. That would be unacceptable to me, and you have to admit that that's a problem. That was a bad, that was a bad move by the Democrats. Those who, those who sought sanctions, that was unacceptable. Well, all I can say to you is, um, whether it was a good or a bad move, the real movement towards changing the electoral system came in 2019 after it had been shown that the Democrats could secure an enormous majority in elections. That seems to me to have been a far more pressing concern in Beijing than uh, the lobbying that was going on. And after all, that was one okay, or two can people. Can I quickly put this into context? Because you're right uh, that this came after the, the kind of alarming figure that the Democrats may be able to seize control of the legislature, but even more, uh, it is part of the so-called 35-plus plan, a kind of mutual destruction. If they, uh, if they carry on with this kind of agenda, they could hold the whole legislature to account and also force the resignation of the chief executive. So Beijing is, of course, uh, alive to this kind of danger. But this also must be uh, linked to the other fact that the so-called pro-Democrats -pro went to abroad, to, to, to United States and other in the West, yes, some of them at the beginning said, well, sanction is bad, but then towards the, the, the latter part of, of this kind of process, most of them are demanding direct sanctions. In fact, both of them fed into the legislation being drafted in, 
in the United States to sanction uh, China and Hong Kong. But uh, I think sanction is only the manifestation of something deeper. There's a fear that uh, somehow that there is a collusion uh, between the Hong Kong Pan-Democrats and uh, hostile foreign powers who are seen, in fact, to be funding uh, part of this kind of protest movement. You, you uh, have evidence agenda, for that, do you? You uh, have evidence for that, do you? You have evidence for that. Sorry, do you have evidence for that or don't you? Say that again? Do you have evidence for that? You've made an extraordinary assertion. Do you well, have I mean, evidence? Uh, the evidence is that it is not my word. Uh, the National Endowment for Democracy admitted openly uh, on YouTube and, and the kind of channels that they, in fact, um, funded uh, various protest movements uh, around the world, including those in Hong Kong. But, well, I mean, you can, you can I'm sorry. Google. I'm sorry. This is just, um, and, this and is just not, this is just not accurate. Sorry, Mr. Lung, you are you are you are telling listeners things that simply aren't true. There is no such thing as an admission on the NED's website that they funded protest movements. What they have said, and these are very small sums of money, incidentally, what they have said is they they funded political education programs and facilitated meetings, including incidentally with pro-government figures such as the DAB. You really should read the website before you make these outlandish suggestions. Well, it's not, it's not my invention. Anyway, I, I won't well, comment on that. these are matters of okay. fact. Okay, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't comment on that. Right. It's, it's, still, it's, it's likely to be subdued to say, okay? Right. There are still um, um, a kind of investigations carrying on, so I won't comment on that. Okay, well, um, uh, well, I tell, uh, well if, if, it, if, if they are, as you say, on, on the website, then people are, are free to, um, uh, to check it out for themselves. Uh, the the uh, evidence should be there in, in uh, uh, plain sight. Uh, Dave, did you want to come back? No, no, thank you okay. for, the, for the good show, and, uh, and have a good day, everybody. Okay, a couple of uh, emails just to uh, <clears throat> finish off. Uh, MT says, my definition of an authentic opposition, an opposition and check to the government that is trustworthy, not spurious, true and legitimate, and that provides a clear, constructive vision of the future of Hong Kong, something the pandems were not. That is from MT. And uh, Bowen says, uh, Dear Backchat, it takes an absolute nut to be unable to see how Andrew Lung <coughs> fudged the point by confusing acceptance of the 831 package with having one man, one vote for Lechko, which is the present uproar as the electoral changes have wiped out progress in that direction without changing the CE's election significantly at all. The debate we've been having here is a clear obfuscation of the issue because the purpose of the 831 package is to ensure that the population will select someone who listens only to Beijing. Look at how CY metamorphosized into something so different after being elected that even the business and other pro-establishment members of the election committee turned against him. And it's not as if the electorate will effectively have a different choice come the next round of election either as the nominees will be pre-selected to ensure they are as pliable as the last one. Hence, the vicious circle is perpetuated indefinitely. Last but not least, would you ask to have driving lessons from someone who doesn't know how to drive? Beijing cannot possibly deliver democracy in Hong Kong because it does not know how to do it itself. Period. That comes uh, from Bowen. Uh, thank you very much indeed for uh, all the uh, emails. And Andrew Lung, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Andrew Lung, international and independent China strategist, former director general of uh, social welfare. Thank you very much indeed. Bring the time now to uh, 20 past nine. We wanted to turn uh, finally today, as I say, to uh, the question of the uh, new proposed uh, 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 social distancing arrangements, in particular uh, for restaurants. Uh, JR, James Robertson, joins us now, owner of the restaurant train, 
Grappa and uh, Cadillac. Once again, our email address, backchat at rthk.hk. Here's to get us going. Alonzo, in an email, says, A number of people in the restaurant sector have expressed their opposition to the government's proposed incentives to speed up vaccination, arguing that it effectively penalises restaurant owners, staff and consumers who have not been vaccinated, either because that is their choice or because of allergies to vaccines. While I sympathise with that view, I also accept that we live in an unprecedented times that may require imperfect responses. Unless Hong Kong reaches a, reaches a much higher level of vaccination, the catering sector, like the rest of the economy, will continue to struggle. So the sooner the public jumps on the vaccine programme, the faster we can return to some semblance of normality. That is the view from uh, uh, Alonso. JR, good morning to you. Hi, thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us. So among the measures, you know, uh, are the uh, this uh, this idea that uh, uh, all staff uh, should have had at least one dose of the uh, COVID vaccine, and then there are various arrangements for for, for customers and the size of the groups uh, uh, and so on. What do you make of these uh, these new conditions? Well, I won't run through the whole uh, whole list. I mean, one of the problems I personally have is that uh, the government pronouncement yesterday that was available on the government website was only in Chinese and. I don't read Chinese, so it, I'm dependent upon the front page of the South China Post yesterday and what my staff tell me. Um, yeah, we could extend the current uh, situation until April 28th, and then on the 29th of April, uh, we can start having other things, like if we have the uh, one jab for everybody, and we have the um, and they use the customers use the uh, the application the app, and then we can go to six people. But it says we can go to six people and stay open until midnight, but we can only have uh, utilized 50%, and the maximum number of diners in the banquet is 20. Now, the next stage, as it's called, the next stage on the front page of the uh, post yesterday, all staff fully, fully vaccinated, two jabs, and customers all have to have one jab, tables of eight people, 100 for a banquet, uh, 2 a.m. dining in. No comment on percentage of capacity, so that's very unclear. There's no statement as to we can use more than 50%, we can go to 75, we can go to 100, they don't say. Third phase, same story. All employees, all patrons, and you have to use the uh, the app, and uh, it, it, gives, it defines fully vaccinated as 14 days post the second jab. Operators have the right to maintain current operations at four to a table, 50%, and close at 10 p.m. Of course, if everybody else is going to midnight or two in the morning, uh, well, we're at a real disadvantage. And do you feel happy as a restaurant operator with no. being a policeman? I mean, you will have to ensure that your customers have received the jabs, etc., etc. I mean, are you yeah, comfortable I'm, with I'm that? Just- I'm just kind of reading the the ground rules here, and then I'll come at you in about 30 30 seconds here with my real views. (laughs) Steve, do you run a restaurant? I I do. I'm in the same business. You're in the same business. Okay. I don't even understand these rules, to be honest with you. No, I was trying to look for a summary, (laughs) and I I think we all are in the same boat there. It uh, it is hard to uh, to, uh, to, uh, get a grip of... We're just we're just vamping while Jr. tries to work out tries to work out what's exactly what's yeah. uh, what's going on. Um, well, yeah. Then it talks about the pubs can open, but it doesn't give any details, and everybody has to have one jab. Well, hold on, they only have to have one jab to open the pub, but I have to have two jabs to keep my restaurant okay. uh, open. I, 
there's, and there's no special story. All right, I, I, I guess, you know, okay, but... Okay, so now, what, here's the question. Here's the issues. What if the staff refuses? What, what is the employer supposed to do? Dismiss the staff? And then who's going to pay long service payment? Us, because the government told us we have to do this, and so we're trying to do this and implement the government's will. Now, obviously, they say you don't have to do that. So there, there's a weasel words and weasel uh, conditions. So, oh, well, you don't have to do that. Didn't, didn't well, yeah, they... but if the guy across the street's open till 12 or midnight, and I'm not, guess who's going to get more business? Okay. Uh, I think the government did talk about uh, having uh, medical exemptions. You could, you could say if there I was... I have a... not seen that. Uh, yeah. That's my biggest issue is my one of my best managers has a condition and he, he's going to government hospital on a regular sure. basis and his doctor, government doctor, has told him not to take the... Okay, my, my understanding is that they would accept medical exemptions. I'm not quite sure how that, how that process is, is going to work. But let's go back to the point made by Alonzo right at the beginning, which is which is it's 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 unfortunate and it's difficult um but it's unfortunate and difficult for everyone everyone in hong kong and the response well, not it, really it, it might be not imperfect really. it might be I'm imperfect sorry, Hugh. But, no yeah. you hold on they're taking they're, they're taking us out they want us and our staff i don't want to say too much about my staff i, I like my staff they're loyal they work hard uh they're not rocket scientists and they're not uh, policemen and uh yeah first of all What's going to happen, I am told by somebody I spoke to in the government that said that uh, FEHD and police will come on premises and they will review the, the, uh, the, the vaccine card, if you want, for every customer. They're going to come into my restaurant and I got 60 people in there. They're going to go around and ask everybody for produce your vaccine record. I mean, talk about disturbance of business. But let's go to the rest. What about the shopping malls? That people can go to the shopping malls and don't tell me because they're wearing a mask. Because if everybody wears a mask, we in theory we don't have to have uh, any virus in Hong Kong. But of course we do, and the masks are not 100% foolproof. What about the hotels? Hotels are operating F and B outlets. Police and FBAs are going to come in during operating hours and inspect the vaccine uh, records of, of all the people. And well, I would assume so. Yeah, if they have a restaurant, they would be the hotel. The restaurant inside a hotel would be treated the same as a restaurant outside a hotel, wouldn't it? taxis and then you get five people in a taxi counting and plus a driver uh and they're all in very close proximity there's nothing about they have to have jabs why don't we set up roadblocks and check the taxis i, I, I didn't understand your point about the masks um jr because i mean that you know i think they would say that that's a big difference that you 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 take off your mask you socialize you sit in close proximity to other people so uh you know restaurants are um uh an open invitation to, to spread COVID, and there is a big difference there compared to, say, people walking around in a shopping mall or something like that. But I, well, I tend to disagree with that because mm. obviously, if I, if the three of us go out for dinner and we take our masks off and we sit at the corner of the table for two hours and we're drinking wine and eating steak or whatever it is, it's only the three of us. But if you're walking around the NPR station or the buses or the malls and you got your mask, you you're going to come past in the air zone of. 300, 500 people. I mean, the, the risks are far greater, in my view, than, than the three of us sitting at the table drinking wine. So, yeah, that's not the view I of many experts, to be, you know, to be honest, JR, I don't think. I think the close, the close proximity for an extended period is uh, exactly how it spreads. Anyway, he's, I, don't, he's, I don't think we know that. 
Mm, okay. Here's another here's an email from Mr. Pink, uh, who says, Good morning. With many Hong Kongers still adopting a wait-and-see stance towards getting vaccinated, here are two suggestions for Mrs. Lam and her administration. One, the government's underperforming PR machine <coughs> needs to allay growing concern about the safety of vaccines. For example, it needs to show, A, the number of local deaths from stroke, stroke heart attacks is very much in line with normal and hence arguably unrelated to vaccines. B, that the number of Astra-linked blood clots in the UK is 1 in 250. 50,000 and C, the number of J and J, that's Johnson and Johnson related blood clots is six and 6.5 million or less than one in a million. Second, as if the government recently announced incentives regarding restaurants, quor- travel quarantine waivers, etc., prove ineffective in stimulating vaccination, then Mrs. Lamb can resort to the tried and tested carrot cash. Yesterday, I conducted an informal survey of my office colleagues who have hitherto not signed up for either of the two vaccines. I asked them if the government gives you $10,000 cash to get vaccinated, would you reconsider? Most replied with a maybe, while almost none of them said no. Uh, for some people, money uh, clearly still talks. That comes uh, from uh, Mr. Pink. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that comment. Yes, Steve? Can I ask you, Jay? I mean, you, you, like other people in the business, have gone through an absolutely awful year and you talk to other people in the trade. How much of the business do you think is going to survive all of this? I'm sorry, Steve. How much of the business will be revived? No, will survive. Oh, survive. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, there's certainly a number of people that have already closed. There's a lot of ones that are not going to open, and people are out uh, flogging, uh, trying to flog their restaurant license and their premise and their lease, and that phenomenon's going on all over town. Um, just like the banks uh, during the during the dis- disturbances closed a number of branches, and a number of them are never going to open again. And I think that same thing is happening throughout our industry. And, and, you know, go back to checking. Let's go to McDonald's or KFC or Fairwood or whoever it is, and how many people are inside there and dining, and, and the police are going to come in and check everybody's vaccine record. I, I just find this a, a horrible uh, exercise. I think the, the chap that wrote in and said, yeah, they pay him? Okay. I mean, what I read in an online edition this morning, it says 8% of the population has had one jab, less than 4% two jab. Yeah, I, I think the government has had a, a very bad time. And it also said they had 24 jabs administered, which were the wrong jab. That doesn't instill confidence in anybody. I'm going in for one, and I got the other 24 times. Uh, the government's got a lot to do here. And, and Mrs. Lamb just says, oh, it's not complicated. Responses I've got is a very good idea. Whoa she talking to i don't think this one operator told her that maybe some of her assistants told her that but the operators aren't telling you that okay some uh emails then to finish off uh, ali says uh asking fmb staff etc to take the experimental medical procedure is discrimination given the number of deaths and adverse effects that we are seeing globally it is coercing people to take part in a medical experiment these vaccines are taking part in an ongoing study until 2023 see the nuremberg code that comes uh, from uh ali uh and uh uh, Elango says, uh, I'm glad the government listened to experts and making a bold move to provide incentives for vaccination and relaxing social distancing only for vaccinated individuals. I see this as a necessary move learned from other countries who are successful with vaccinations like Israel. But the government should open up the vaccinations for under 30 and provide exemptions for medical reasons as well. Also, what about children? They are penalised all through the pandemic for the wrongdoing of adults. That comes from uh, Elango B. Uh, and 
Yeah, James says, just when you thought things couldn't be more confusing than vaccine bubble arrangements, come the electoral reforms. After leaving office, Carrie Lam has a promising career devising board games. That's from, that's from James. Uh, thanks very much in, in, indeed for Says that. Says it all, eh? <laughs> yeah. uh, James Robertson, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us, owner of uh, Grappa and Kedlock. Okay, uh, thank, thank you very much. A uh, couple more comments to finish off. Uh, Matthew says, Andrew Lung still didn't answer my simple question after filibustering for five minutes. Clearly a sensitive and dangerous topic. Um, this is about the voter turnout. Why can't he simply give a percentage rate for future voting turnout? Historically, it's been around 60%. What range does he predict it will be in December? What will this tell us about the credibility of the new improved system? Please hold him to account by answering simple questions rather than just giving a platform a few times a week to pretend he's middle of the road while babbling about black violence and spreading disinformation. That is uh, from uh, Matthew. And Alan says, Backchat, your guest now cites people asking for sanctions against Hong Kong as a reason to remove democracy. So collective punishment. A handful of Hong Kong people offend Beijing and it will <coughs> never allow the 8 million people living there to vote. For decades, Hong Kong Democrats tried to work within the system. Despite always winning a majority of votes, they were never allowed any power. Their purpose was window dressing. And this 2015 scheme that Blues keep insisting should have been pocketed would have made that impotence permanent. Now he's going on with the old conspiracy uh, stuff about the NLD uh, funding process. Those are lies. That's from uh, Alan. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, TC uh, on Facebook says, I need to remind everyone that during the roll call of the 2017 constitutional reform package, there were only 37 votes casted, 8 for, 28 against, and president voting president. The pro-establishment were waiting for Uncle Fat. Uh, there weren't enough votes for a constitutional amendment to pass since it needed two-thirds supermajority. Even if all votes casted yes at the time, it had still not passed. I'm going to bring this up every time someone blames the non-establishments for the reforms being voted down. And Marcus says, uh, please congratulate Steve Vines on his excellent book. Really enjoying it and learning a lot. Highly recommended for all listeners and government officials in Hong Kong and China. The book is called Defying the, the Dragon. Uh, Marcus, many thanks uh, for that. Steve, thank you you very much indeed and uh that's it for the program today They're leaving you with the weather uh mainly cloudy today with a couple of light rain patches sunny intervals at first temperatures up to 26 degrees 25 degrees at the moment and the relative humidity is now at 83 percent everyone wants to be recognized and praised your child is no different try to focus on the process not the outcome acknowledge their effort Help your child to learn through mistakes. Prepare your child to lead a happy and positive life. Care, encouragement, and acceptance are keys to building a positive family. Nine thirty-five. The news now with Samantha Butler. No new coronavirus cases have been found after authorities tested around 780 residents in Shenzhen. Authorities sealed off Tower 2 of Lido Garden for testing overnight after confirming three local cases from the building. The United States, South Africa and the European 